what I realized uh, uh, as I was sitting here waiting for this to start? What's that? There's all kinds of songs about Saturday night, but there's not that many songs about Friday night. You have some songs about the weekend in general, but damned if I can, I was digging my brain. And again, I don't like to use the internet too often because I'm like, you know, sometimes when you have gaps in knowledge, you got to, you know, dig a little deeper in the old, uh, the old brain meat. I can't think of one Friday night theme song. Can you? So, so Rebecca Black did a song. And the only reason I know this is because the kids love it. Right? I, I know this song. It's, it's terrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's about, that's like friday in general right and it's like gonna eat my cereal like you know all that good stuff and i mean there's nothing like you know hey friday night going out gonna get laid gonna make them shout yeah yeah you know yeah maybe it's because the metal era has ended i don't i don't i don't know um but i mean even during the metal era like it wasn't (laughs) i mean you would you would think van you'd think van halen and either you know iteration one or two would have one friday night song and they don't i mean this is but but jamie's definitely crying okay so we can hypothesize then that jamie's crying on friday night on friday night that's that's right (laughs) right Uh, or dance the night away on Friday. Friday night. So can yeah. I just can I just put this out there on the table because I've been of thinking course. about this all week and I was like, am I going to go into this or do I want to just leave it on the table, <laughs> right? And, and right. the conversations kind of led to this to this point unintentionally. Okay. But uh, have you heard this story? And this is about a TV show, and we're not talking TV shows on this show, but I want to use it as an example. Like, have you heard of the show Station Nineteen? Yeah, uh, okay. mo- most people probably haven't, but you probably have heard of, of Shonda Rhimes. Yes. Yes. Okay. So within uh, Shonda's like, you know, sort of uh, multiverse, because she has a number of different shows. Oh, that's right. It. They call it like the Shondaverse, don't they? Pretty much. Yeah. Does any of it actually cross over or are they just being cute? No, some of it does cross over. So Station 19 is about a firehouse, obviously, and it crosses over with Grey's Anatomy quite a bit. But the problem that I want to raise here and, and, and it does connect back to movies is uh, station 19 completely shut down production on their show because the writers were creating a racist character that used a slang term for Latinos. And uh, because of this, the entire production was shut down and a okay. letter was posted about, you know, we, 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 we will not continue to work creatively until we have healed and, and all of this stuff. Okay, Jeff, I'm a progressive liberal. I like uh, being considerate and thoughtful in terms of how we are speaking of and representing right. people. Hands down, we need to be those kinds of human beings. But this is a character, Jeff. This is not even like a writer in the room said that. That would be a different kind of situation. This is, a, and Bill Maher talked about this this past week on his show, but like mm-hmm. the, the, the problem is I am tired of this kind of arrogance that's coming out of certain Hollywood cultures of, well, the audience just shouldn't be exposed to certain things, right? You cannot portray a racist character without that character using certain racial slurs. It's not that we're condoning that kind of behavior. In fact, we're probably highlighting it so that it is seen as something that is awful and something we don't do, right? Correct. 
But this assumption that audiences won't be able to handle the stuff is getting a little absurd. I want to see the Jamie Foxx movie, Jeff. Jamie, Jamie Foxx made a comedy in okay. 2014, 2015. Okay. Has Robert Downey Jr. in it playing oh a Mexican character oh. Oh similar boy. to the way that he did <laughs> Tropic in Tropic Thunder. Thunder. And this movie has been shelled and we'll probably never see it because studios and everyone is concerned about how it will be received. Mm -hmm. And I think that we all need to take a pause and a collective breath and realize that, yes, it is extremely important to be aware of how you're speaking and representing people. Absolutely. But can we please let audiences be sophisticated and understand what they want to see and what they don't want to see? Mm -hmm. This censorship route is not the way to go. It is no. not the way to go. Um, and we've been down this road before. You're seeing it now with books in the schools as well. And, oh. you know, if you know anything about history, folks, once you try to ban something, it makes it 10 times more popular. And people are going to want to read it or see oh, yeah. it even more because it's been, quote unquote, controversial. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think we all need to just take a collective breath and think about how we're moving forward, because I do think it's important to be sensitive certainly think it's important to be aware and conscious of, mm -hmm. of how we're doing that and how we're going about it. And I'm open to listening, but that kind of stuff is absurd. You're going to yeah. shut down production. That's jobs, people's jobs. Yeah. That's because a of lot of money character, Jeff, a character, not a person, a character says the word. Right. So I just, you know, um, just take a breath. I had to get that off my system because I've been talking about it in classes all week. We've had good mm -hmm. discussions about it um but it's you know it's a problem it's a it's a problem we are running into this as a problem so well social problems aside we're two lonely phds i'm dr jeffrey hayes he's dr joseph watson uh and for the uh the uh, uh the pc police uh they'll probably have a really hard time this week with us because uh, we watched these two war films uh <laughs> That have some very decidedly marked language and and or uh, uh, content, uh, as they would see it, uh, and we're going to get into it. Uh, the two films I watched uh, a viewer request: uh, "The Sands of Iwo Jima," nineteen forty nine, starring the Duke, John Wayne, and uh, Doctor Watson. He watched uh, writer director Oliver Stone's Platoon from nineteen eighty six. And uh, I'm, I'm excited because I have a lot of fond memories of Platoon. I joked on the show that my dad used to drag me to these things when I was at an inappropriately young age. <laughs> ah, you'll get it. Come on. It's not real. Uh, but uh, uh, I'll start with the Sands of, uh, Sands of Iwo Jima. Uh, I, I got to be honest. I, I didn't think I'm not a huge fan of, of, of the war genre. You know, it, it just. Again, maybe I saw too many of them when I was younger and still developing. And I just, you know, when they come around, I'm just kind of like, eh, you know, kind of just shrug these days. And, and it takes a lot to get me to to do it. But uh, this particular film, yeah. Uh, Sands of Iwo Jima, uh, 1949, directed by Alan Dewan, uh, D-W-A-N. I hope I'm saying that right. I, I'm assuming. Um, this was a much more interesting film than I imagined, honestly, that it was going to be. Uh, it 
clearly influenced Kubrick's Paths of Glory, and it clearly influenced Spielberg, uh, uh, Saving Private Ryan. Um, It's just really, it it took me kind of off guard because this is a really violent movie with really fantastic set pieces, Um, especially the beach sequences, uh, Storming the Beach, which... I'll get into a little bit. Uh, this this film uses, and, and this week we're talking about the war genre in general, right? Uh, and that's why we're going to go, that's why I wanted to go first, because I wanted to start it earlier before we move by the mid 80s into what, you know, the Vietnam era war films uh, uh, that would dominate would become. You know, this is a, of course, World War II piece. Um, it is very patriotic. It's It's very, you know, jingoistic and and all that stuff and propagandistic but you know as i argued in a in a previous episode it's just like well whether it's an anti-war film or or pro-country film and like everything is propagandistic like it doesn't you know it's just par for the course like that's just how it goes this particular film though i feel like it 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 borrows from a lot of tropes at the time which was mixing in uh you know stock documentary footage you know, of the actual war in certain sequences um, and, you know, shooting live action, uh, sometimes on location, sometimes not. Uh, but it, the, the way that Dewan and, 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 and the team did it was just really spot on. Like it was, you know, they're not going to get points for realism, obviously, you know, because it's I mean, right. it's very it's very apparent when they cut to a documentary, you know, film segment. But, you know, and again, in the suspension of belief, you, 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 you just kind of get sort of, you know, melded into this story. And we've got this movie opens with what you do in all noirs and most war genre films. Uh, Do you want to guess what, what I'm getting at? Uh, A murder? A death? No, no, not a murder, Uh, not death. The, um, the. It was a late Friday night. There you go. You're on the right track. There you go. Yes. Voiceover. My office. Yes. We have voiceover. We have voiceover narration from a character in the film, like leading us off, like right away. And this, in this case, it's Corporal Dunn. And Corporal Dunn is here to tell us about the time that they first decamped uh, at the camp before they meet, you know, the John Wayne character, the Duke, um, who's going to get them into shape. He's going to get these Marines into shape because they, they, you know, you gotta be ready. You know. Can we moratorium? I always feel so bad. Have are we past the point with the John Wayne impersonations? Is that just way too anachronistic? You know, um, uh, I I don't I, I don't know if we're past it. I, John Wayne has kind of been canceled in some respects by oh, a lot yeah. of culture. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you know, I know that there's probably just a, a a still a large segment, but a very specific demographic of of America that still is is incredibly fond of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, he's kind of the same in every movie, right? I mean, so, yeah. so the cadence and the the mannerisms, you know, it's just kind of him. And mm-hmm. so uh, I don't think we're we're beyond it. I don't think we're above it. I think it's just kind of the staple. Mm-hmm. When you think about John Wayne, you probably like get yourself in a certain physical position right where you kind of lean in a certain way and then you well i uh, you know and then you just go right into it right i mean it's just kind of mm-hmm. we can make fun of him of course i think so right i can, I can well i mean ostensibly i can make fun of anyone uh, you know yeah. just, that, well, just that's pick true, and choose my then, battles 
but then we may out of care and consideration have to shut down the podcast for a month and not you know uh not do any work well i'll i'll send you your check yeah, yeah. when that happens but yeah so so anyway. no, the duke has to get them like and, and right this is this is playing right into the formula right you've got oh you god know, yes you know we've got the toughest nails sergeant right? it's, training it's like them Somebody's got to train them and you got the training montage and all that stuff. Oh right? yes, we do have the training montage. <laughs> you betcha. Like, you know, that segues into the battle montage that segue, you know, it's just like, he's going to get them ready for war. And uh, uh, you know, it's also in the war genre, what's very popular is the, uh, the love at first sight, right. On shore leave. Of one course. of them sees the girl in the dance hall, which it had us, I'll try to post the still image in, uh, in uh, the discord. Please do. Over this, they had a humongous sign like in the dance hall, like over like this like booth that looked like a concession stand, and it said, "Free smokes from the folks back home." God, what a different era! I know, and I'm just like, yeah, that's that's comforting. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well give you lung cancer while we're at it. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I mean, you've got what a like. 23 percent probability of surviving anyway yeah Yeah. you know smoke up yeah Uh, smoke up you know be like uh be like joaquin phoenix and the in the masters that they're making you know uh uh, homebrew from like uh you know hooch from like bomb fuel (laughs) wonderful how do you make these how do you make these potions freddie freddie make me these potions are these cools freddie give me a cool freddie so he this, it's, it's so he meets this girl uh at the uh at the smoke stand at the, at the smoke stand at the dance at the smoke stand at the dance of course it's just like they have like a cloud of smoke all in the dance hall while they're like dancing you know surprisingly not but i'm just uh-huh. like you know that that thing is like it looks like a fog a fog tent it's like how <laughs> yeah. anyone's dancing and not going oh America. Oh, <laughs> absolutely uh, well, amazing. So, Cindy, Cindy, so yeah. you're the prettiest thing I've ever seen. I'm going off to war, but I want you to be mine. You're the one. Is that, does that kind oh, of, oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's, you know, you know, and they get married. Uh, and of course he finds out that she's father to child, you know, he's father to child while he's at Iwo Jima. And it's just like, that's a good looking kid, son. Need to take care of him. So yeah, leaned right into it, right? Like you just can't. Uh, uh, Commander, do you think I'll make it home to hold my son for the first time and tell him I love him? You stick with me, son, maybe so. Just go ahead and get behind me. I'm going to give you my best. Not just for me, but for my son and for my country, right? Yeah, well, they say I'm a little lucky, son, so maybe some of it will rub off on you if you stand right beside me. I wish I was making that up. That was an actual line in the film. Um, Fantastic absolutely fantastic people uh, are gonna think we hate this movie no yeah, no not. no actually I, this you is a very impressive yeah this is a very yeah. impressive film like uh, technically speaking and 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 just their whole approach to it like the way it's constructed uh it's very tight uh comes in at under two hours uh oh, wow it, but but it they they do they have these really impressive sand when they storm these two different beaches at two different times, I mean, they just use the same one again, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just like the whole way that it's constructed, like they've got tanks and, you know, firearms and a blowtorch. And I mean, it's, it's pretty insane. And there's a lot of death in the, the the violence of this film from 49 actually shocked me. Like I was, yeah. Like there's, 
it's pretty like visceral blood or, or yes i've yes. never seen this film so i yeah, yeah i don't well it's in black and white so okay. i guess that that's how they kind of got around some of it like when people Probably. got shot or you know things like that but the biggest thing here and again this film was made in 49 so i refuse to be part of you know you can't spoil things uh the duke dies Uh-oh. i did not know other than his final film which right. is very famous where bruce stern had to be the bad guy who shot shot the duke in the back um right. you know i thought that was the only film he had died in or do you know yeah, of any me, others that he died too. In? no i i was unaware that he i the 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 folklore for me mm-hmm. and of course I, you know i i have not seen all the john wayne movies because there's like twenty thousand john wayne movies right uh so i certainly haven't seen them all but as far as i know growing up with cinema history that was the one thing that i always was was new with trivia wise was that he you know he dies in the end of the shootist uh the movie mm-hmm. the shootist and um that that was the only one that he mm-hmm. that he uh that he died in so yeah. but now i'm my world is radically changed uh i had no idea that yeah. he died in this one yeah absolutely because how I does that, that feel though at the end of the of the movie does it i mean do, or does he die feels at the right end? oh yeah 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 i mean right okay. at the end like right okay. before they raise the flag, you know, on do the famous Iwo Jima uh, flag raves. Uh, so, you know, he he almost makes it. And then his men are like, ah, I can't believe he got it. And then, of course, they're just like, what would he want us to do? Push on. So let's go, soldiers. Right. Let's let's get back to it. Uh, you right. know, as, as the halls of Montezuma begin to ring out uh, as it does at the beginning of the film and make you go, hell yeah, America, America. what we do. Yeah. You know, um, uh, so I'm sure that, that that heightens the patriotic message and the weight mm-hmm. of the movie, especially for that era, yeah. to have such a huge star like John Wayne, you know, pass away mm-hmm. in the film. It probably deepens that sense of sacrifice, right, that mm-hmm. that an audience may be feeling, uh, um, whether, you know, it's it's internal. You're thinking about the 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 cousin or the brother or the uncle or whatever that you lost in the war. Right. And it, you know, and when you see someone so big like that in terms of a star system like John Wayne passed, you know, pass in a movie, that's got to be a little bit of a downer. I mean, it's, it's it's upbeat, obviously, you know, because of the way that war turned out. And so we have like, you know, a positive sort of retrospective look at it. But I would imagine in 1949, when you still had so much change going on in the culture with returning veterans trying to reassimilate into the culture and to become part of everyday life again you know a a better war movie in my opinion is the best years of our lives from 1946 which is yeah i mean which is about what i know how veterans get treated when they come back to the country which i think is a massive issue for me personally you know we don't take good enough care of my father was spit on it's off it on at San Francisco airport, 1970. So, you know, I, I just, uh, I, I just have to think that losing John Wayne in a movie like that had to have had a pretty mm-hmm. strong emotional impact on an audience in 1949, for sure. Absolutely. And, and two, you know, what's interesting is that like, they make sure at the beginning to acknowledge that the Marines helped them in cooperation with this film. And they have all these collaborators and again, they're playing the Marine, you know, marching song and all that, but very late in the film. And I found this very surprising again, knowing how John Wayne felt about, you know, making like an anti-Western, which just absolutely rattled his bones and he got really angry about it. 
uh, which we discussed in a previous episode, um, there is an anti-war moment uh, at the very end of this film as they're storming the beach. Two soldiers are sitting there and they're down and one of them like scoops up the sand and goes, what's this all? You know, is this what this is about? Like I can get this, you know, anywhere. Um, And the other guy says something along the lines of that, you know, men and money are the things that make war happen or something like that. You know, and I was just, I was shy. It's just, wow. Yeah. That's there. I mean, it's subtle. there. there. Wow. I, I paraphrased it terribly. I apologize, but but uh, we um, get the gist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's near the very end of the movie, and I was very shocked by it because I was just like not expecting that. And then you know, a few minutes later, John Wayne eats it, and I'm just like, okay, what did they talk him into this? Like, yeah, this just feels like a very un John Wayne type thing. I mean, heroic death aside, I mean, it's just like, huh? It did it. It was. It made me scratch my head. Well, it's probably wrapped around the fact that he, you know, being a very patriotic guy himself, John Wayne probably saw it as not necessarily a hit to his like stardom or status, like as an individual, but as in like realistically portraying like, you know, the the amount of loss that occurred, you know, in, right. in the war. Um, and so um, he probably I mean, I'm speculating, but he probably understood that you know, this will be a big deal to the audience. And I want that, you know, I mean, I want that to resonate uh, with them so that it, so that the idea of sacrifice is, you know, um, is sticking with, uh, you know, with, uh, with an audience that sees it. Um, does it have Jeff? Cause I haven't seen it. Does it have the kind of stereotypical um, cadre of individuals in the unit? Like, oh, you mean you like know, Lucky? Ricky from Brooklyn and yeah, all that. Yeah, I mean, you know, does Brooklyn it have Ricky like, and, uh, yeah, they've got Kansas the Greek. Joe and they've got Joe the Greek. Like, yeah. you know, that he gets killed, and they're just like, "I liked the Greek a lot, and the Greeks liked us too." Let's do it for the Greek. Like, <laughs> yeah, you got you don't have an overabundance of it, but they did pepper a little bit of that in. Uh, you know, which I it always makes me think of Top Secret, right? Like, oh god, yeah. When they Absolutely. do the do the resistance fighters nicknames, you know, what this is Frenchy chocolate mousse. Well, talk about a film that won't wouldn't pass muster today. Holy moly, top! Oh, secret. you've never it, nothing from Zucker and Zucker and Abrams. Nothing oh, Zaz, from no, yeah, nothing get, from Zaz. Yeah, there's there's no way they they would never get uh, get anything made today. Um, so I, I will say too, real quick, um, because we've made this sort of a, a, a one of the things that we discuss in the show. Uh, yes, there is very offensive uh, stereotype language, of course, uh, right. in this film. Uh, I won't say it uh actually a couple variations on a theme actually uh having to do with uh, uh japanese people so it don't uh, again okay. if you if that kind of it's kids it's that triggers that, you yeah yeah if that triggers you then you need to uh i don't know put on subtitles or something i i don't i don't know what to do about that because it happens at different places and i don't right. know you know i mean i just kind of shrug and go yeah that sounds what they said well, it's not condoning it in 2022, but it's certainly understanding a context in 19, you know, 40s where you know there there was language like that, and it was uh, there were in you know, there I mean, were was, internment camps, uh, kids in America yeah. during World War II. That guess what they did? They interred Japanese American citizens in our own country, many generations deep, had to go to basically 
a concentration camp of sorts. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, George George Takai writes quite a Yes, I saw that. that. Um, and uh, it's brilliant. Some of his stuff that he's written is just brilliant because he was a kid during that. He during was in, that he was in a camp. Yeah, he was. Uh, and so, um, you know, it's it's uh, that's a poignant part of history that's very important that I think doesn't always get or didn't at least always get acknowledged in the history books when we were coming up. It was something I had to find no, out. No, I found out about it on my own. Later. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like, you just have to, you have to seek and find those things out. Um, and so I think it's interesting that you also mentioned mm -hmm. the propagandistic portions of the war film. And I think that that's a uniquely, um, uh american thing um yes. this kind of jingoistic kind of celebratory uh war is what we do um and it's what we do well and that's something that we see a lot and it's very pro-american rhetoric and how did what, top gun maverick avoid that because you watched top gun maverick in the last few months uh it, i did it's just not in your face like we don't mm -hmm. i mean the enemy is different and i think the nature of the enemy is a lot of what has affected the the rhetoric um you know so top gun maverick has a very pro-military stance to it but i don't know if it necessarily has the same jingoistic kind of there's no one in top gun it's like can't wait to get in the air and kill some bogeys i mean there's nobody doing that right <laughs> right um so uh, so it is a little different in terms of tone, but but the you know, sometimes it blows students minds when we're talking about, you know, I'll show scenes from, say, Lenny Riefenstahl's uh, Triumph of the Will, mm -hmm. which you know scared the shit out of everybody in the world when that came out because, oh, God, yes. like, oh my God, you know, still does <laughs> Hitler is, you know, for real. And yeah. this is a this is a real fear and a very serious you know issue that we need to pay attention to. And um, so the, the, the students are so surprised to know that not only did America make propagandistic war films, but we had government offices that supported such efforts like the OWI, the Office of War Information, you had Frank Capra, John Ford, some of these amazing directors who were, some of them were enlisting, some of them weren't. But they were making the, you know, Frank Capra's Why We Fight series, you know, just kind of explaining like right. why, who the bad guys are, where the axis mm -hmm. of evil is and all this, you know, all this kind of um, very pro-war, very pro-American rhetoric. Um, and so uh, it's kind of been a staple of the genre that the yeah. movies that we've seen that that have reflected war. It's very it wasn't until much later, I think. Mm -hmm where you started to see war films that had a little bit of a different stance on war. Right? When we get into the fifties, for sure. Right. You know, that that's a little different. And I, I would also throw in there that, you know, things got shuttled aside like John Houston's documentary about PTSD, um, which I highly advise it's on Netflix people like it. Is it on Netflix right now? It is on Netflix. Let yeah. there be light. Let there be light. It is it's an amazing. amazing documentary. Yeah. Um, uh, it's it's just I mean, I mean, if you really want to see the real thing, like the mm -hmm. up close, like the if you want that exposure to what those individuals went through, yeah. that's your film. And it's yeah. it's just um, it's stark. It's disturbing. Um, and they buried it. it. Everybody should see it. It did. It got buried because it it was too real. 
I mean, it was just too, you know, we just didn't want that in the limelight. We, Mm -hmm. you know, wanted to just pretend that we were cruising into the fifties and everything was Mm -hmm. fine. And And that men are men and they don't suffer from these sorts of things. We just don't talk, grandpa doesn't talk about it. You know, that's just that that old thing. Yeah. I mean, and that was for our generation, especially it was just like, yeah, grandpa don't talk about that. I mean, people think we're making a joke we're not it's deadly it's actually deadly it's just like those are the things you don't talk to them about like they that's just right. they you would they you would get if shut they down bring it up it's okay right? right but you but don't ask them about it don't joke about it don't talk yeah. about it you know it's a, it's a big deal um yeah that's usually after a couple of pbrs <laughs> pop top well we're two lonely phds uh i'm dr jeffrey hayes he's dr joseph watson and uh we just got done discussing uh a fan fan maybe listener i don't know i, I don't want to antagonize we don't have fans we, we don't, no, we have, don't fans. have fans we it's, have listeners it's, it's, okay, a that's listener. fair. it's a listener uh we had a listener request uh for a film which i say to anyone bring it on uh that's fine by me uh <laughs> no it was a very kind request uh for us to do uh sands of iwo jima 1949 it was directed by alan dewan and starred john wayne uh that just got our sort of juices flowing because uh when i texted you about this you instantly i, I don't even think you paused you went platoon like that i mean i was just like oh man he's been waiting like it's like a coiled snake you know he's he's ready to strike. So uh, 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 I will turn things over now to uh, to to Dr. Watson, and uh, he is about to educate us about I am sure many many things. It's well okay. So uh, I wanted to do Platoon because I knew that it was going to be a radically different kind of film than what Iwo Jima is. Right, not just a different war, but like just a different approach. Right to the whole thing. Um, so um, let me tell you a story real quick. Just a little anecdote. Um, in seventh grade civics class, uh, we were in the middle of a discussion about Vietnam and uh, Platoon had just come out in movie theaters. I had seen it at that point. It's 1986. And uh, my teacher was dogging on this movie, saying that it was you know, unrealistic and that it was you know, uh, not really a good representation of Vietnam or the veterans or of what they did over there. And um, I remember very distinctly saying, well, I'm sorry, Mrs. So-and-so, were you over there in the war? Because Oliver Stone was. And so I'm more likely to believe a film director who's making a movie based on his actual experiences over there than I am a bigoted civics teacher. Oh, oh. Ooh, someone just someone just dropped the mic on a 40-year-old uh, grudge. Well... I did. I've been, I've been, I mean, I think I've told some of my friends that story right past uh, the end of the day, but you know, um, I, yeah, I, I, you know, I have authority issues, but I, but that, that particular, uh, I just wasn't going to stand for that because I had seen platoon and it had radically just fucking rocked my world, Jeff. And it did for so many other people because I was the absolute perfect target age for who Oliver Stone was trying to hit with this movie. And I know that people will say, what are you talking about? He made this, you know, for veterans and all that. Sure, he did. But um, more importantly than that, Oliver Stone was heavily invested in how poorly the Vietnam veteran character was being represented across television and across movies prior to Platoon. Mm -hmm. Now I'm talking about in the 80s, I'm talking about, Magnum PI, the A Team, Rambo, all, all these like, you know, former veterans that were kind of seen as cartoonish characters, 
larger than life, not believable, not really accessible or relatable, nor even realistic to the actual way in which Vietnam veterans, I mean, Magnum PI may be like the closest because he had, he had sort of triggering traumatic like things that would. Yeah. Him and uh, TC and uh, uh, Rick. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's, what's interesting here is that Oliver Stone uh, born in New York city, um, went to Yale university, dropped Mm -hmm. out Mm -hmm. to enlist as a soldier and went to Vietnam. He served in two different regiments, uh, including the first cavalry. And for his service over there, he was awarded a bronze star for gallantry and a purple heart as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when he came back from the war, very disillusioned, of course, uh, he did not return to Yale, but instead got interested in writing and film. And I think he was always kind of interested in the creative stuff. But um, post-war, I think he was just a different Oliver Stone. Uh, And so... NYU uh, became his, uh, you know, his school, and he's part of that East Coast side of the film school generation mm-hmm. uh, growing up in this era. Uh, and so he started out as a writer, uh, primarily movies like uh, Midnight Express in 78, which won him an Oscar. He wrote the screenplay for Conan. He wrote the screenplay for Brian De Palma Scarface uh, in 83. He also has written two books as well um a child's night dream which is mm-hmm. his story about it's it a child's night dream is kind of like reading platoon in novel form mm-hmm. uh and then he just recently released a brilliant autobiography called uh chasing the light which is inc- mm-hmm. also incredibly good um so did Stone, he also didn't he also write the hand yes i like the hand no, i omitted not, that not, one yeah. because yeah i mean I, you why? know I mean, I mean come on yeah, it's great well, it's fun it's yeah, michael kane like having fun and it's just like i i won't tell anyone else anything about this film it's just like find the hand it, it's so it's fun it's just fun it's an interesting movie yeah the hand is is uh is one of his uh, early 80 directorial writing dire- and directing michael kane and a little and a little little i don't even know if i'd call it horror it's really sort of more of a psychological you know, drama, uh, more, more or less, but it, but it's interesting. So, I, I mean, I think Salvador in 85 was really yes. what put Oliver Stone on the map as a director. Um, he, uh, he is certainly, um, a master of controversial subjects. He is not afraid to look at the dark side of America. Uh, mm-hmm. and he is a legendary filmmaker for it. And, um, I mean, I think he is a, dr- a dramatist, but he is also a very respected historian, at this point, uh, certainly. Uh, and so Platoon was really, I think, kind of his magnum opus. Uh, I think a lot of things were hitting at the right time for him. It did become the first of uh, his Vietnam trilogy, which is fantastic. Uh, the second being Born on the Fourth of July and the third one being Heaven and Earth. Um, but, you know, this concern about how Vietnam was being remembered, how veterans were being thought of, what the war experience was actually like versus how it was being represented on screen mm-hmm. um this is a movie jeff that that does not pull any punches it no. just goes straight for an accurate representation of the hellish reality of war life um so we see uh through the eyes of chris taylor who's played by charlie sheen uh, who is a young recruit who joins the American forces in Vietnam. He narrates his experience as if he is writing letters to his grandmother. 
uh, describing what it is that he is experiencing and how he is feeling. Um, he is uh, at the beginning of the film, as he uh, is called fresh meat, because that is quite legitimately what the new recruits were considered. There's this really striking, if, if, if you don't know what you're in for with platoon, by the time the first five minutes are over, you, you need to step away because there's this incredible sequence where all the young new recruits are being shuffled in and everybody's like, oh, fresh meat, fresh meat. And then you see all this, this entire landscape of tarps over all of these dead bodies and the helicopter, you know, the, the wind from the helicopter blows the tarp off and Chris sees all of the dead bodies and it just kind of clicks like, oh, I'm the fresh meat. Like that's the, wow. And I mean, if you, I mean, that, that just sets it up right there. Like this is not going to be your average war movie. Right. Right. Um, and so we follow Chris through his platoon and what we discover is that, you know, through his experiences, he's going to be confronted with two different sergeants. There's Sergeant Barnes, who's played by Tom Berenger and mm-hmm. Sergeant Elias, who's played by Willem Dafoe. Now, both of these characters are fantastic and both of the performances are just phenomenal. Um, yes. But it is here in this sort of Barnes, Chris, Elias relationship where Stone really creates this kind of Greek mythology Mm -hmm. and framework for how he wants to have representations of the liberal or the good, which is represented in Sergeant Elias, Mm -hmm. or the the darkness and the evil in the conservative and stricter uh, Sergeant Barnes. And really what happens is in the movie is this really the story of how they battle for Chris's soul. I mean, to 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 be honest with you. So, um, uh, but during this process, this is not a, you know, hey, Joel, you're, I mean, it's not that. This is a different war entirely, right? Well, the rules are different. uh, Yeah, the rules are different. The mission is different. The enemy is much more ambiguous. Like it's a very different kind of Mm -hmm. uh, situation and era to be living in. And we don't, we don't get held back from any of that, Jeff. We see, we, we feel the heat of that jungle. We see mm-hmm. the bugs. We see the calloused feet. We mm-hmm. feel the camaraderie, the factions. We see the mundane every day building this, the, you know, the trenches and, and, and then just, there's just the uh, unforgivable violence that occurs mm-hmm. in this movie. I mean, it's just um, striking. I mean, still, yeah, when he, I was still moved when people were dying in this movie. I've seen this movie easily 15 yeah. times. And each time when certain characters go, it's still like I have like a, a, a reaction to it. It's still that powerful when when he uh, uh, and this was one of the first that you're talking about and how this was going to be a very different kind of movie, um, you know, uh, Behringer's uh, and the troops interaction with the Vietnamese people. Um, also exposing us to, you know, what we'd later learn in history about the truth of these matters too. Uh, I'll point to uh, Ken Burns' uh, documentary as well. Burning down their houses, you know, not speaking the language, acting in violence out of fear, acting in violence out of the unknown. Uh, There's, I think the and correct me if I'm wrong, in that particular scene, I believe that one of the things that comes about is just like training's got nothing to do with this, right? And again, that's why I say all the rules are different. Like the rules of engagement have changed drastically. 
And this is on a both whole sides. other on both right, this sides. Is, this is yes. a whole other beast. Because the Viet Cong are different kinds of warriors. They're different kinds of guerrilla factions mm-hmm. that work and are at play. And so it's a different, it's an entirely different enemy. And Jeff, you're right. The most, I think the most striking, controversial, and difficult stuff to make it through is when they do come across that village. And they do. They rape, they torture, they kill um, babies as well. And it's it's in an effort to extract quote unquote information. These are, you know, these people don't have a clue what's going on. They they you know, they don't have a clue. And it's very um uh, historically rooted, as you mentioned, specifically, it's the My Lai Massacre of 1968. You can look it up. It was awful, but it's well documented now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to live through that on mm-hmm. film. And um, and it sticks with you. I mean, if you're a human being, it's going to stick with you because um, I felt so much pain. I still do when I see that movie. I feel so much pain for those people. Mm-hmm. for the soldiers as well i have absolutely for them i do um and uh you really get to see in this movie the morality and psychological effects that come from being in war it is not the way that hollywood makes it out to be and i know that this is hollywood movie but that's why it's so important is because it was the first movie that that in my opinion that gave vietnam an honest look like what did we really do over there what was the point of our being over there you know we should be asking these questions you know why were we there um and uh and so that's what lingers even beyond the movie is Mm -hmm. uh you know this sense of chris asks it himself the character chris asks himself you know what what was the point of my being here like why like Mm, why mm. why are we doing this like why are we here you know it just wasn't clear so so much confusion so much rage so much anger um and and so much freaking fear like just fear there's 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 a scene very late in the film where one of the privates and chris's company realizes that he wasn't wounded so he wounds himself right that messes me up like every time like you're so desperate to get out of here get out of there yeah and i mean he stabs himself with a k-bar i that that's no that it's gnarly man like it's just wow so uh so you know i mean it 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 ends with you know chris you know actually getting out Yes. After a big after a big massive battle, but not until he has seen Barnes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, he, he doesn't see Barnes kill Elias, but he knows. And um, because he told Chris that Elias was dead, he said, yeah, I saw Elias. He's like 10 clicks back. Right. He's, you know, he's dead. Uh, we got to get to the chopper. Right. And so and as they're coming out of there, you see Elias right running across the field. He had actually made it, even yeah. though Barnes had shot him. Uh, and he has that wonderful sort of pose where his arms go in the air. It's the poster. And, um, it is the poster. And it's that, you know, it's a really striking moment for Chris as well as us, because it's it's like a, 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 a whole new world has opened up where, you know, I. I I just realized that there's good and evil everywhere. Yes. Um, and, and am I going to, which, which side am I going to gravitate towards uh, and be a part of, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's it's accompanied by that gorgeous uh, Delarue soundtrack. Oh, man. Deep, slow. If you, if you hear that, just a little bit of that score, it gets mm-hmm. in your brain, mm-hmm. man. Like, oh, my God. It's 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 just it resonates like it's still it yeah. still resonates. Right. And it and yeah. it, it uh, it's like a relay. It takes it takes me whenever I hear that. I think about, you know, Willem Dafoe's character, like running across the, you know, across the field. Um, and, you know, there's there's uh, you know, there's other litany of actors in this, you know, Forrest Whitaker, Keith David, Kevin Dillon, Tony mm-hmm. Todd, John C. McGinley, even a very young Johnny Depp is in this yes. movie. And um uh, Dale Dye, Sergeant Dale Dye was the military consultant on the movie. It was shot in the Philippines to sub as Vietnam, but uh, everything else was, of course, um, tactically and strategically accurate for um, for the time. Mm-hmm. And of course, Stone would know because he was freaking there and he was right. you know, writing what he knew. Um, so and, and, you know, I've talked to military Vietnam veterans since every single one of them I've talked to you seen platoon. That's a great movie. Oh, That's yeah. what it was like. You know, they oh, yeah. all acknowledge the the authenticity of it. You know, if you want to get in contact with us uh, and maybe even, you know, go give us. Did we miss something? I'm sure we, we always miss something, you know, but, we as far as the I know, but it's ridiculous. But we, we, you know, uh, in the war genre uh, or any of the films that we've done, this is uh, our 12th episode. And, uh, you know, go back as you're listening to other episodes and maybe we missed something uh, or you have a suggestion or you'd, you'd like us to uh, 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 look at a film or a particular set of films. Uh, you can uh, email us uh, lonelyphds at gmail.com, L-O-N-E-L-Y-P-H-D-S at gmail.com. Or you can click on the discord link in our show notes. You can chat us up over there. That's where we post all of the uh, supplemental materials and uh, all kinds of fun stuff. So you can check us out uh, there. If you would be so kind to please subscribe and rate the show uh, on Apple, Google, Alexa TuneIn, which is one that I did not know existed, but yet we are in that subscription service. It is different from Amazon podcast which i learned i still can't figure that out exactly but anyway we're there uh you can subscribe to us uh, across the board in your favorite podcatcher, and we ask that you please do so so that we know uh kind of what's going on with our audience and it's a good way to give feedback to the show and let us know what's going on overall until next time i'm dr jeffrey hayes dr joseph watson we'll see you then <laughs>